0: And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, October the 12th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1492, Christopher Columbus and his crew, they landed in present-day Bahamas. I'll come back to Christopher Columbus in a moment. Today is Columbus Day to some. Today in 1609, the song Three Blind Mice was printed in London. That's significant because it was the earliest printed secular song in history. Everything else up to that point that was printed and available in print was religious. The church, all of the great composers, the famous ones, the ones that the elite now talk about and explain and so on, they all wrote their music for the church initially. But today in 1609, three blind mice, see how they run. Yeah, you know that song. I think the whole world knows that song, at least if you're over 40, you do. Today in 1809, Meriwether Lewis of the Lewis and Clark expedition, he was found dead. He died under mysterious circumstances in Tennessee. Some say he committed suicide. Others say he was murdered. But the mystery was never really sorted out, and if it was, it wasn't made public. But there's a lot of stories about how his death occurred. But that happened today in 1809. Today in 1933, Alcatraz became a federal prison, the island, San Francisco Bay there. Today in 1942, Attorney General Francis Biddle announced during a Columbus Day celebration at Carnegie Hall in New York that Italian nationals in the United States would no longer be considered enemy aliens. Italy, as you'll recall, Mussolini, they were on the wrong side of history and they were on the wrong side of World War II. Today, 1957, the Dr. Seuss Yuletide tale, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, was first published by Random House. Today, in 1973, President Richard Nixon nominated House Minority Leader Gerald Ford of Michigan to succeed Spiro Agnew as vice president. As we all know, Ford would later become president, as Richard Nixon would resign. Today, in 1986, there was a superpower meeting in Iceland. It ended in a stalemate. President Ronald Reagan, Soviet leader Gorbachev, they couldn't agree on an arms control framework. They couldn't even agree on a date for a full-fledged summit in the United States. So Reagan said, you know what? This isn't going anywhere. I'm going home. And he just left with his smile. Today in 1997, singer John Denver, he was killed in a crash in his privately built aircraft, Monterey Bay, California. He was 53 years old. Today in 2007, Former Vice President Al Gore and the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, they won the Nobel Peace Prize. I think a million-dollar check comes with that, if I'm not mistaken. They won the prize for sounding the alarm over uh, global warming. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. Just a side note about Al Gore. When he... (laughs) <laughs> when he ran for president in 2000, his net worth was $1.7 million. Now, that's a lot of money, a lot. But it was $1.7 million, 2000, when he was running for president. He um, Most of the $1.7 million was in land in Tennessee that he had inherited. It was the value of the land that he had inherited. The point is he hadn't made much money in 2000. But after he sounded the alarm on global warming, he is now worth well over 200 million, and some people say over 400 million, some agencies. Interesting. Global warming is something to be considered. Maybe it's a career. Who knows? It's been good to Al Gore, no question about it. A few people across America still celebrate Columbus, David. Boy, Columbus has taken a beating in recent years. Not from the majority of Americans. The majority of Americans have remained silent. Columbus has taken a beating from the activists who now seem to rule and reign In a number of cities across America, we know them. I mean, they're the infamous list. Seattle, Portland, New York. You know how the list goes. We talk about it all the time. They roam the streets. They burn. They break. They destroy. They tear down history or deface it to where it's unrecognizable. And there's little to no police intervention Because, in fairness, the police want to intervene, I think, most of the time at least. And the powers that be, the elected powers of the cities, all run by the far left, won't allow them to do what police are supposed to do. Well, that happened again in Portland last night. Rioters toppled statues of Presidents Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt last night in Portland. Then they moved on to Columbus, of course. The news says, as the, grow- as the crowd gathered, a group threw chains on ropes of a, uh, on the statue, a bronze sculpture officially titled Teddy Roosevelt Rough Riders. Others took a blowtorch to its base through red paint on the statue. They began to pull, the- pull until the statue rocked from side to side before falling about 8.50 p.m. The group then turned to the nearby Abraham Lincoln statue, pulling it to the ground at about 9 o'clock. Spray painted on the base of the statue was Dakota 38. That's a reference to 38 Dakota men that were executed after the Dakota-U.S. War of 1862. Afterward, people in the crowd began smashing windows at the Oregon Historical Society, unfurled a banner that read, Stop Honoring Racist Colonizer Murderers, a mural on the attached Sovereign Hotel building depicting Lewis and Clark expedition, was splattered with red paint till it was unrecognizable. The crowd then moved through downtown, breaking windows, destroying a sign at Portland State University campus, public safety office, and other buildings. The news reports, I quote, police did not apparently intervene. (laughs) That's pretty much the state of our nation today. There are a few people who are hell-bent on destroying America. They don't care what the consequences are. They don't care what it costs this nation. They don't seem to be able to understand where they're taking the greatest nation in the world. But more concerning than that, there have always been those kinds of people. But now, now we have a police in America, Not not the men and women on the police force, But the people who run and have the authority over the police force, there are some bad police. We hear about it endlessly. Three or four times the stories will rerun when a police does something wrong. And some of them have, and they need to be held accountable and punished appropriately. Justice needs to be served. Make no mistake about it. Believe me, that's where I'm coming from. But boy, there's thousands and thousands of police that are good people. And they're sent out in harm's way, night after night after night, in these far-left-run cities. Their lives are endangered, and yet they can't intervene. While these people destroy, burn, loot, in the name of constitutional rights. Boy, I'll tell you, I don't know. To make it worse, Joe Biden is circulating the country and leading in the polls to become president of the United States. As if it's not enough to have these hoodlums running the streets in the name of social justice and so on, burning down America, that they've contributed little to nothing to build, Joe Biden is crisscrossing the country quoting Chinese communist leader Mao Zedong. And he's done it repeatedly. He was in Arizona And uh, he's been there a lot. I mean, he's really focused on Arizona. He thinks he can win Arizona. To those of you who listen to this program in Arizona, please, please stay with me. Okay? Because uh, don't let him win your state. But anyway, KTVK, the uh, anchor in um, Phoenix, they were interviewing him, and I was just looking at the news story a moment ago. wanted to share it with you. Uh, it, to underscore his passion for and his commitment to women, Biden said there's an old expression attributed to the Chinese years ago. He said, quote, women hold up half the sky. He said, guess what? That's the reason no country will be able to compete for world economic prominence until, unless they fully engage the women in their society. Well, interestingly enough, that old Chinese proverb that he says isn't exactly a proverb. It's a quote from Mao Zedong's Little Red Book. It's, he's the founder of Communist China and one of the worst mass murders in the 20th century. Biden was, quoted, was has quoted Mao before. He did so in August as well. I mentioned it on this program. He was explaining his choice of Senator Kamala Harris to be his running mate. He quoted it again in July at a fundraiser. He was caught calling it an old Chinese proverb again. That saying, women hold up half the sky, as I said, is not a proverb. It's a famous, it's a proclamation that was made by Mao Zedong about 70 years ago when he proclaimed gender equality at the beginning of his rule. He said, that's going to be a hallmark of my rule in China. One of the worst mass murders in the history of the world. He started out, advocating for gender equality as he took over China. And Biden is running around trying to take over America and quoting him as an old Chinese proverb. One of Biden's senior advisors, Anita Dunn, she's really who's feeding this to him because she was asked not too long ago within this campaign cycle, probably last year, I remember well what it was, I don't remember the date, but it was probably the end of last year. She was asked just kind of just spontaneously by some news guy what are your favorite political philosophers and she has a lot of influence with biden she paused for a moment and she said well first and foremost i would i would have to say that mao is one of my favorite political philosophers i don't even need to excuse me to explain that to you that's concerning to say the least. That's what's happening today. <laughs> October 12, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Boy, I'll tell you, we need God's word as a stabilizing force in our lives, in our culture. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away. But my words shall not pass away. Everything is changing. Everything is being challenged. Everything is being destroyed. The word of God is being rewritten by the far left, the so-called religious left. Excuse me. I I should not have taken that last drink of coffee. I apologize for that. I've got to stop doing that. I just like coffee in the morning. And I know many of you are sitting, listening to this program, drinking your cup of coffee. Well, I put mine down when I said good morning. I should not have taken that last sip. And I apologize for that. I'm going to stop doing that. I am. Anyway, Jesus said in Matthew 24, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Isaiah wrote chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. As we see everything that can be shaken, being shaken around us today, the only sure foundation that we have as individuals and collectively if we have as a Christian community is the word of God. Things will be shaken and broken and destroyed and rebuilt and reconfigured and redefined all around us. And that's what's happening. It could be very fearful. It is overwhelming. There is a number of reasons for it. I'm sure the COVID-19 lockdown is one of them, but suicides, Domestic violence has spiked unbelievably over the last 12 months. I think a part of that is just the general condition in our culture, the chaotic conditions in which we live. The grass will wither, the flower will fade, but God's word will stand. And we've got to stand on God's word. That's why every day we attempt to the best of our ability to talk about what's going on in the news And do so from a biblical perspective. Because that is the only thing. The biblical perspective. The truth. God's word. The rock. The solid foundation. That is the only thing that will survive the chaos of our culture. Make no mistake about that. The Amy Coney Barrett trial. (laughs) It's called a hearing, but it's really a trial. It's underway. It started at. 9 a.m. this morning Eastern time. It's a hearing to decide if Amy Coney Barrett is qualified to be the to be seated on the Supreme Court of the United States. Senator Lindsey Graham says the he's chairing the committee, the hearing, Senate Judiciary Committee. He says the hearing will be held over the next four days. It will conclude on October 15. He says he has the votes to put her out of committee into the full Senate. Mitch McConnell says that he has the votes in the full Senate to confirm her. We'll see how that plays out. But I can tell you there are some very mad Democrats, angry, out-of-control Democrats on that committee. They're going to grill her about her Christian faith, about her biblical belief, particularly on abortion, because it infringes on their belief that abortion is a women's health care issue, and they're afraid she's going to also not only be instrumental in reversing or overturning Roe v. Wade at some point, they're also afraid she'll be instrumental in finding that Obamacare is not constitutional, because it isn't. So that's what's driving their fear. It's purely political. They don't really care about biblical truth. They care about getting making progress, as they call it, getting to the next to the next level. Republican Majority McConnell says the hearing will be a combination of in-person and viral questioning that's happening as we speak. He said exactly as the Senate has been doing on other important matters since the COVID-19. The Democrats first attacked him and said, well, we can't have this hearing because of COVID-19. And he said, well, we've been doing important business for the last, you know, months that way. And he finally overcame them, and they just put their attention in a different direction. But the radical Democrats, the radical left, they're primed for an attack. But while they're attacking her, as we speak, maybe they've just broken for lunch. It's noon there. We're 9 o'clock live in the morning here in the West. Some of you are listening an hour or so delayed, but we're live originating here. Maybe they've broken for a lunch break or something, but... You know what's going on on the steps of the Supreme Court building as we speak right now? There's Christians and prayer leaders on the steps of the Supreme Court building as we speak, praying for God's intervention in America and in this trial of a highly qualified judge who is to become a justice on the Supreme Court. That's what's happening as we speak. We need to be informed. Barrett is a favorite among conservatives. A couple of reasons. She's relatively young. She's devout in her very conservative Catholic faith. Secondly, her past academic record of legal writing suggests that there is an openness to overturning Roe v. Wade. She thinks it was, she agrees with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ginsburg warned, she was concerned about it, that Roe v. Wade was a very poor piece of legislation. Amy Coney Barrett agrees with Ginsburg for different reasons, but she agrees. Poorly, very poorly written it was. It was thrown together. Ginsburg said that several times. She said it was thrown together. She said it's kind of a one fits all, and she said I'm afraid that it can be overturned. Amy Coney Barrett agrees that it was very poorly written. It's very poor law. She's the left's worst nightmare. Unlike Biden and Harris and Hillary and Obama's testimony of faith, she and her husband actually practice what they preach. They have seven kids. They're deeply, deeply religious. They read the Bible. They actually try to live by the Bible. They believe that abortion is taking the life of an unborn human being. They believe in the law of the land. They love America. That's very concerning to the left. It's interesting that Article 6 of the United States Constitution forbids religious tests for government service. It says no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Interestingly enough, when that was written, it was written to protect those who claim to be atheists. Christians are so accommodating and so welcoming and so open with the truth that they were protecting those who had no religious convictions, that they too could run for office. But now that has been reversed, as most things in our culture have been. I I have to think of a verse that I've quoted before on this program. Isaiah wrote it in chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And verse 21 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. But we live in a day when everything's been inverted. Dark is light. Good is bad. Sweet is sour. Is bitter. It's amazing the environment in which we live today. No wonder our kids are confused. No wonder our, this generation is growing up. Many of them, not, they don't even know what they believe. Because the church has failed from the pulpit, and public education has become nothing more than an indoctrination exercise, for the most part, social indoctrination exercise. So that's what's going on in our world, but the Constitution says that you can't forbid someone from service on a religious test basis, whether they're religious or non-religious, And since her academic and intellectual record is beyond attack, I mean, it really is, they're going to attempt to derail her nomination on the basis of her extreme religious beliefs. And they're going to go where nobody has ever gone over the next four days. And we'll be telling you on this program what's going on and, and kind of what to make of it, of the highlights. That's why it's important to this nation, not only that she be seated on the Supreme Court, but that we understand what the argument is. It's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's not political. Every part of her religious experience will be attacked. Every conceivable angle of her commitment. Last week, Vice President Pence was speaking. He noted that Barrett's confirmation hearing two years ago for the U.S. Court of Appeals Seventh Circuit, that was in 2017, Senator Diane Feinstein told Barrett, quote, the dogma of your faith lives deep within you. And that was a pejorative. That was a criticism. She suggested that that eliminated her from serving as a justice in her current position. Pence said last week, he said, well, I've got news for the Democrats and the Hollywood elites. And I'm quoting him. He said, the dogma lives loudly in me, too. He said that dogma lives in hundreds of millions of Americans. And every American who cherishes faith has the right to live and work and worship according to the dictates of our faith and conscience enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. But the left doesn't care about the Constitution beyond how they can twist and use it to accomplish their progressive goals. That's why they insist it's a living document. You've heard that phrase before, and you're going to be hearing it more. I say, well, it was written for its time, but times have changed. We've evolved. And now culture has evolved. Mores have have evolved. And now it's what the document is a basis for truth. It's not the truth. It's not absolute as far as the political construct of this nation. So it means something different today than when the founders wrote it. They wrote it for their time. We need to redefine it for our time. That's the message. Senator Mazio Hirano, she's a Democrat from Hawaii. She's on the Judiciary Committee as well. She's promised that she plans, these are her words, to zero in more forcefully than she did before on Barrett's Christian beliefs this time. She's one vote away. Barrett is one vote away from changing the Supreme Court for decades. That's why you hear all the time about court packing, about changing the number on the Supreme Court. I'm not going to talk a lot about that today, but we will be talking about that over the next few days because that is is fundamental to what's going on in the nation today. Left-leaning Axios warned the left last year that if Trump gets to replace Ginsburg, especially with Barrett, because people were predicting, I predicted, that she would be the nominee and others were. Axios, who's left-leaning They said he would cement a young, reliable, conservative majority that could last for decades. And that's why these people are so upset. They're angry. They're out of control. Packing the court is not forbidden by the Constitution, but common respect for the world's most enduring Constitution has given both of our political parties pause to ever change it in the last 150 years. FDR tried it. He failed, miserably failed. Joe Biden even pointed that out in 1983, and I'll, I'm not going to get into that today, but there was a time when he strongly, strongly opposed this. But Joe Biden isn't in control anymore. He isn't. There are people around him that are calling the shots and will be, should he be elected to the presidency of the United States. That's why he's saying he will not answer. When they ask him, are you in favor of packing the court? Are you in favor of packing the court? He gets angry. He got very upset the other day and yelled at a, at, a, uh, at a journalist from one of the newspapers. I can't remember which one. But he doesn't want to talk about it. And finally, he just said, they said, well, the American people have a right to know. And he said, no, they don't. They don't have a right to know. He said that last week. He said, I'll tell them after the election. Because his entire life, politically, and it's long. What is it, 47 years? He has, every time packing the court has come up, he has opposed it. It's on the record, on video. But now all of a sudden, the people around him, Kamala Harris, Bernie Sanders, AOC, don't think those people packed it up and went home when they didn't win Elizabeth Warren. Oh, no. Kamala Harris, no, they're in it. Kamala, obviously, she's a VP nominee, but they're in in the race. And they're telling him what to do because his cognitive skills are declining. There's no question about that. So that's where we are today. And that's underlying what's going on in the hearing as we speak in Washington, D.C. Thanks for being with me today. We will keep you informed. We'll continue our conversation throughout this week and other items. But we'll continue to keep you updated on this hearing. Thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Thanks for standing with us. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you right here tomorrow.